Welcome to the She Shall Speak series. I'm your host, Denia Smith. We are excited to kick off the third episode of our Her Story series, a collection of stories of young Black women and girls who are leading the way for positive social change in their communities. Today, we will be talking to Sanu Lukoma, a teenage entrepreneur, author, and public speaker. Sanu, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about yourself. Hi, um, I'm Sanu Lukoma as I was just so greatly introduced. I'm 17 years old and I'm the founder and executive director of a nonprofit organization called Brown Kids Read, which I started in 2018 when I was 13 years old to motivate all children, but especially children of color to read more diverse literature. I'm also the author of a children's picture book called Subi Sunny Smile, which I published in November of 2021. And it's inspired by my younger brother, and it holds themes of cultural appreciation, dental hygiene, and most importantly, anti-bullying, which is something I'm passionate about. I'm also the host of a podcast called The Book Junkie, which I created right when quarantine started so that I could get other teenagers more excited about reading diverse literature that they feel represented in. And I'm also a junior broadcaster for Kids on Media Network, along with sitting on their junior advisory board as the communications director. And I've been doing competitive public speaking for the last nine years with the New Jersey Orders, and I've been doing professional public speaking for the last two years. That's literally incredible. Thank you so much for that phenomenal introduction. We have so much to discuss and I'm so excited to jump into it. So let's start with the beginnings. You know, how did you become this impassioned entrepreneur, author, and public speaker that you are today? I started out with a pair of jeans and that's pretty vague, but when I was 12, well, well, English, when I was 12 years old, I wanted a new pair of jeans, but I didn't want to just ask my parents for the money. I actually wanted to work for it. So instead of going up to them and saying, hey, can I have $25? I went to my grandmother instead and I said, can I please have $25 so that I can buy some jewelry equipment and create a jewelry business for myself? So that was on a Saturday. We both went to Hobby Lobby. We bought a bunch of jewelry supplies and I went home. I made like 45 pairs of earrings, 10 bracelets. And then the next day I had over $100 in profit. Mm. which I was really excited about because previously the only entrepreneurial endeavor I had done was a lemonade stand when I was seven years old and I had two customers. So I knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I wasn't completely sure how to go about it. And both of my parents had been entrepreneurs. So I had some wisdom there in the back of my ear. And I was able to use that to create a jewelry business, which I ran for several months. And then I decided that I wanted to make more money because I knew that I was going to be going into high school soon and I wanted to have some pocket change. So I I started a face painting business and that face painting business was very successful. I was able to charge a lot more an hour than other teenagers were making at my age. And it was a great experience because I started learning about marketing, customer service, how to make the experience with my business um, 
more desirable than my competitors. And then from my face painting business, I went into a full-blown party entertainment business where I partnered with another author. I memorized her book and I got a costume that was just like the main character. And I would go to birthday parties as that character, Mm -hmm. but also queens, Black African queens throughout history so Mm -hmm. that I could teach the children about those queens. And then from there and through that author, I met two other authors who were having an event at a local Barnes and Noble for their book launch. And they wanted me to help out since I had experience with um, event planning, party entertainment, things like that. So that is when Brown Kids Read really started. The name for that event was Brown Kids Read. And originally it wasn't supposed to turn into a nonprofit, but that day I saw so many kids were excited about books Mm -hmm. and I've been an avid reader since I was four years old so that connection was great and at that event we had authors come in and do book signings we had a huge display of diverse books we had crafts we had games story times and I did that character performance from the book that I memorized through the author in that costume so the kids are really excited about that and that's how I really got into Brown Kids Read and then my goal for last year was to publish my own children's book by using the money I got for my sweet 16 so that's how Subi Sunny Smile came about and it was always a dream of mine to become an author so I'm really glad that I met that goal. And the public speaking has been ingrained in me from a very young age. I've always been a talker. I really like to talk as you can tell. Um, And I got into competitive public speaking when I was nine years old. So I was able to really refine those skills, feel much more confident in front of a crowd of people and be able to talk and sell products and help other people get their dreams and goals across to others and bring them to life. So, that's essentially how I started all of my businesses. Well, thank you so much for that beautiful story arc. I think something that definitely stood out to me is that you didn't just wake up one day and decided, hey, I'm going to start Brown Kids Read. This was a continual process that took years upon years. And I think the beautiful part is that you're still so young and this is literally just the beginning. And I think the immense impact and influence that you've been able to have as a young person is really indescribable. So thank you so much for sharing that story. And I'm definitely curious to know, based upon your passion for literacy and for getting young people engaged in literature, literature, (laughs) excuse me, what does literature mean to you? That is a great question. And there are a lot of layers. So first, I want to talk about the value that books can have in general. And this isn't even including the diversity aspect, anything like that. This is just basic educational value. Books are always written by somebody who thinks that what they're writing about is important. Mm -hmm. Therefore, they put a lot of research, a lot of work into that book, and they do their best to get their message across effectively. So reading books can always have educational value, and it gives someone an escape. It can give the reader an escape and a place to go when they may feel upset they may feel frustrated, something's not going right in their life. And it's just a great opportunity to step into another world and just take a break sometimes. Then on the other side, there's also the diversity and inclusion part of books that I'm really pushing through all of my endeavors. And in my experience, there are two kinds of books. There are window books and there are mirror books. Mm. 
Window books are stories where you're looking into somebody else's experience. You're stepping into their shoes. You're learning about how they view the world. And the main character is usually somebody who you don't have a direct relation to or understanding of before reading that book. Mm -hmm. Mirror books are stories where you are looking in a mirror. So you relate to the main character or the main storyline in a particular way. Maybe you're an army brat and the main character has moved around their entire life because their parent was in the army. Or maybe you simply relate to the main character because you both wear glasses. You know, it's just a shared experience that can get you excited about the book and you're able to relate to the main character more so that you're able to relate to the story more effectively. Definitely. Thank you so much for that. And I love the concept of window books and mirror books. I know for me, I definitely had a mixture of both of those. And I think being able to be exposed to those at you know, a young age has definitely helped me not only my matriculation as a leader, but also just as someone who's coming of age and is trying to find my identity in the world in which your identity is imposed by other people. Yes, definitely. And on top of that, it's like, I see so many teenagers, especially who aren't reading diverse books, and they're not reading books in general, because they weren't given the opportunity to see themselves reflected in literature from a young age. And when I first started Brown Kids Read, one of the things that really pushed me to turn it into a nonprofit, and that's because the original event was in June, and we turn it into a nonprofit in late November, early December of that year, is because I had a conversation with my friend. Um, I'm not going to say his name. We'll just call him Diego. Mm -hmm. And Diego is from Puerto Rico. And he lived right around the corner from me. And he told me that the reason why he didn't particularly like reading was because he didn't feel represented mm -hmm. in the books that he read when he was younger. And he felt like people just didn't care about his perspective. And he was like, so why should I value books in general? And that really resonated with me because he was my age. It was really raw, that conversation. And I felt how frustrated he was. And I could tell that if he had been given the opportunity to read those books from a younger age, the chances of him being an avid reader like I was would, be, would have been much higher. And my mom, she always gave me books where there were strong Black women as the main character. Mm -hmm. To this day, my favorite children's book is Rosa by Nikki Giovanni, I believe, yes, mm -hmm. um, who, uh, it's about Rosa Parks. Mm -hmm. I read about Ruby Bridges. I read about Michelle Obama. Bunch of people who really made a huge impact in this world. And that's for the reason why I decided to become an author. You know, there's a residual effect and there are positive impacts that reading can have if you start at a young age. And once you get to a teenage level and you're able to be more independent, um, you have so much more autonomy in terms of how you can help people and how you are able to be more empathetic because you understand some of these experience because you've read a book. You know, you're able to build more connections with others because you're able to engage in conversation with them about something that you may not have known if you didn't read a specific book. It just opens a lot of doors. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Thank you so much for that. And on the topic of representation and how that's so important for young people, let's talk about representation within your children's book, Subi Sunny Smile. Can you talk to us about the inspiration behind the book? 
Yes. So my younger brother is 10 years old and he is like my little baby and I love him so much. And Subia Studies Smile, I actually have a copy here. So I'll show it right here. Um, this picture is, his illustration is actually based on a picture of my brother's face. Like this is my brother. And Subi is his middle name. It means hope. And Subi Sunny Smile was born from me wanting to write a book at first, but then it turned into a mission to teach children the importance of showing kindness and making a kindness a very large part of their daily routine. In this story, Subi is bullied by children that he meets at a brand new school. And that is very large part of the representation that I wanted to put in the story because I know that a lot of kids can relate to that. I particularly relate to it. Um, I use some of my personal experiences. I was six years old in first grade. And when I walked onto the bus for the first day of a new school, I was met by a girl who said I was too dark to sit next to her. Mm. And it really, I don't know if I would say it hurt my feelings, but it took me by shock. Mm -hmm. And thankfully I went and told my mom about it and we had a meeting with the principal, but I just never experienced anything like that before. And that's similar to how Subi interacts with the new kids at his school in the book. And that is one aspect of the representation. I also wanted to represent kids who felt different regardless of, not, regardless of whether or not they'd been bullied for it. Because in the story, Subi has a gap in his two front teeth, just like I do. And he is um, taken aback when somebody makes comments about it because they point out that he's different from the rest of the other kids. And that is something that I felt not only related to people with gaps, but it relates to everyone because everybody has something that they feel makes them different from others or other people may point out. So that is another part of the story that I wanted to put in terms of representation. But even on a surface level with the illustrations, my illustration team did a really great job of portraying how I wanted the characters to look. I wanted Subi to have like 4C hair. And <laughs> towards the end of the illustration process, it kind of looked, um, I would say much more loose. It wasn't mm -hmm. how my brother's hair looked and I wanted it to look like that. So we really went back to the drawing board in terms of Subi's hair and we asked the illustration team to make it puffier and you know really make the coils show through. And that's something I thought was important because a lot of children's book with illustrations have children with black characters on the cover, but you, you don't see their hair mm -hmm. being or see hair, you'll see their hair just being illustrated. And then on the cover as well, I wanted to include different hair types because that's a show of the different children who are in the classroom. Subi's class is intentionally very diverse and the characters in the book are intentionally diverse so that children can relate to the story. I mean, on the front cover, we have a kid who's a redhead, we have a brunette, we have strawberry blonde, we have curly brown hair, there's hair with highlights, there's mm -hmm. just a lot of different things. Like when you first look at the cover, I know that I would relate to Subi's 4C hair. Mm -hmm. But if I know another girl who maybe has straight brown hair and she looks at the cover, she can relate to it too, because in the bottom left corner, there's hair just like hers. So mm -hmm. since my whole brand is representation, diversity, and inclusion, I really wanted to put that into Subi's story.
I love that. Thank you so much. And I really love that aspect that, you know, no matter who you are, who you look like, you can see yourself in this book. You can see your story being depicted. And, you know, with writing such a beautiful narrative comes with difficulties. So would you be able to describe any challenges that you encountered while writing Subi's Sunny Smile and what things really kept you motivated and encouraged you to keep moving forward? The interesting thing about the book is that a lot of people don't know the story is now written in verse, but in the beginning, it was not. It was completely prose. I did not put any rhymes in there. And that was because I was feeling a little bit of imposter syndrome. And mm -hmm. I would think to myself, I'm not good at poetry. I'm not going to be great at this. People aren't going to want to read the book if I write in a poetry because it's going to be bad and after a conversation with my mother she really helped me to recognize that how am I gonna know that I'm gonna fail if I don't even try mm. so that was one challenge that I had to overcome and I did overcome it because it's published in verse and I got to learn several new you know concepts and aspects of literature and grammar while I was writing the story I learned more about rhyme scheme the importance of the rhymes being accurate. And now I have a whole new skill under my belt. Whereas if I had not even stepped into the realm, I wouldn't have been able to know anything about rhyming like I do now. Um, and one of the things that kept me motivated was about it was knowing the end result. Mm -hmm. So I knew that after publishing this book, my goal was to go into schools, go into organizations, go into churches that have younger children who can benefit from the three main messages of the story, which are cultural appreciation, dental hygiene, and anti-bullying. So that was one of my largest motivations, but it's also because I just wanted to be able to say that I wrote a book. Mm -hmm. And I was excited when I finished it because I knew it would have a positive impact on the kids, but I also felt really accomplished. And um, now I'm really excited because I'm working on my second book, Chi Chi's Friend. Yes. So um, that's the book that's featured in Subi Sunny Smile. Oh, and um, uh, it's on the front cover right here by the end of the book. Um, he finds Chichi Suthi Grin, and that story is based on my younger sister. And it's about how children can inspire adults. So there are a lot of things that are coming up. And in terms of Chichi Suthi Grin, what's keeping me motivated for that is knowing that younger kids will, well, girls specifically, because that one is more girl centric in terms of basketball, because I'm a basketball player oh, wow. and um, Chichi is a basketball player. And I know that a lot of younger girls don't have access to basketball training at a young age like boys do. So so that's the motivation because basketball is a passion of mine and I know I want to see a lot of younger girls having basketball skills so those are a couple of the things that keep me motivated as a teenage author thank you so much and something that I definitely want to touch upon that you talked about earlier was how if you didn't take that risk and explore the unknown you wouldn't have walked away knowing this new sense of who you are and I think even for me starting this podcast was definitely a reach I feel so whenever you make any type of content, you know, whether that's a podcast, a book, a nonprofit, any type of content that you're publishing online, there's always that fear of the what ifs. What if people don't like it? What if people don't look at it? What if people judge me, scrutinize me? And at some point you do have to come over those what ifs and instead embrace the positives. You know, what if I'm able to make an impact on someone? What if this is successful? What if this, what if this makes a difference? And when you look at your situation through a positive versus negative lens, that actually fuels your resilience and your perseverance amidst those circumstances. 
So thank you so much for that. And one more oh. question I do have before shifting is overall, how did this experience from Brown Kids Read to Subi Sunny Smile and to your upcoming book, Chi Chi's Toothy Grin, impact who you are as both an author, entrepreneur, and just simply a teenager? It's made me much more independent. Mm -hmm. I had to do a lot of business calls. I have to do a lot of email threads and I have to meet a lot of adults who are interested in working with me for Subi Sunny Smile. But I'm working on not doing those things with my mother who always was there when I was younger, just starting Brown Kids Read and then getting a little bit older. But once I started the book writing process, I felt more confident in my ability to communicate with adults and run my own business. So that's something I learned about myself. But as a teenager, I learned that I'm okay with being alone a lot of the time. And that's because I spent so many hours writing the book, going over the edits, making notes for the illustrations, and just being with myself. So it's something I enjoy, but I also learned that I'm perfectly fine with being by myself sometimes. Thank you so much for that. Now to quickly shift over to the topic of leadership. Let's just start with the basics. What does leadership look like to you? That is a great question, especially because I was featured in a book called Unbossed, How Black yeah. People Are Leading the Way by Chrissy Lauren Adams. And what she wanted to talk about in that book were the eight different leadership styles of eight different Black girls who were leaders. And in that book, she wrote that I use strategic leadership, which I agree with, mm -hmm. because I feel that in all of my business endeavors, I always try to strategically leave a positive impact on people. And when people talk about leaders, a lot of the time, they always think about those outspoken people, the extroverts, people who are not afraid to go in front of a crowd and talk to a million people. And, um, you know, just be out there, get out there. Well, and that's not particularly true. There are different leadership styles, and there are some people who would rather stay at home and go on a business call and help their team figure out what the next steps for a campaign are. Or there are people who would like to write a blog post and send it out, and they're talking about very important issues without having to put their face to a name. That's being a leader. Being a leader means that you're taking your own talents, passions, and skills, and helping other people move in a positive direction. So, you know, there are a lot of different aspects to leadership, and I'm one of those leaders who are extroverted, outgoing, and very, very loud. But at the same time, I've also um, learned a lot more about different kinds of leaders and how every leader is impactful. Thank you so much for that. Definitely snaps to you. Absolutely love everything that you said. And, you know, embracing the fact that leadership is multifaceted. You don't have to be that person who's standing on the front lines with the microphone, fist up yes. in the air. You can be that person who's more reserved writing that blog post or that person who likes to work behind the scenes, whereas out in the open to really enact that change. And ultimately, regardless of what format you choose, so long as you're able to possibly contribute to your community, then that's ultimately the main thing that matters. But circling back to Unboss, How Black Girls Are Leading the Way by Christy Adams, which is coming out on March 8th. I'm super excited to read the book. Do you have a favorite line from the novel that's either your own or from the other young change makers that are featured? Oh, that's a good question. Actually, I'm gonna get my book right now. <laughs> I'm going to go to the page so I don't misquote her. Um, this was said by, oh, let me find the page. 
is really awesome. Well, I really liked my quote and I, I, I forgot that I even said it, but my quote in the book is, I want to make brown kids read a big thing to show kids that a black girl can do this and that black girls are important enough to be featured in literature. Mm -hmm. And then another quote in the story that Miss Chrissy put was when I said, a lot of people say that I'm gonna be the next Oprah, but I don't wanna be the next Oprah. I wanna be the first Sonya. Mm -hmm. So I think that can apply to a lot of young people as well especially who are in my position who've been leaders for a long time and people are always telling them oh you're gonna be like this person you're gonna be like that person but no you need to be the first you so that you can make your own unique footprint in this world but um <clears throat> here's the quote that I was looking for it's by Taya Amoy Roberts and she said black women are literally the helm of every movement every push for social justice every push for social change we need to take our stories into our own hands and I resonated with that because Miss Christie's first book, Parable of the Brown Girl, was really focused on promoting Black girls sharing their stories. And a lot of the time, we're put into a box where we have to be the strong Black girl, or we have to let things just brush off our back because we've been dealing with it for a long time. But that's not true. And Black girls have a lot to say. And we are very influential, whether that be in front, behind the scenes, like either way, we're very influential. So that's one way that leadership has really spoken to me through that quote. Thank you so much. And to segue perfectly into our last question, what advice do you have for young Black girls who are aspiring to be leaders in their communities? I would say don't mask yourself mm -hmm. because there are a lot of people who don't fully, well, actually I would say just do it, which sounds like Nike, but let me just apply it here. Um, I would say just jump into whatever you wanna do. Um, if you're passionate about it, please do it because mm -hmm. your passion will shine through and you will be successful. If you care about something enough to share it with the world, you put the time, research, work, and effort into it, you will see the fruits of your labor and you will have a positive impact out of it. So follow your dreams and just don't let anybody bring you down and tell you that you can't do it because then you'll be self-sabotaging. Those person's words are not responsible for your actions. I promise you. So if you let somebody else bring you down, then your actions and your fallacies after that are all on you. And then I would say, don't pretend to be somebody that you're not, which is what I was getting at when I said, don't mask yourself. Mm -hmm. um, there is this entrepreneur, her name is Audrea Richmond, mm -hmm. and she is one of the coolest entrepreneurs that I know. She's a marketing specialist, and I have her book, Unbossed, I mean, not, not Unbossed, sorry, Uncloned. Mm -hmm. And um, she talks in that book about how when she was younger as an entrepreneur, people were telling her that she couldn't let her accent show through. She had to wear her hair a certain way. She wasn't allowed to wear hoops. And I was like, what? Mm -hmm. I know that when I first started Brackets Read, every single interview that I did on camera, I was wearing hoop earrings. Mm -hmm. Every single interview that I had, I either had an afro, I had braids, I had my styles. My hair was 
never straightened. I wanted to let my blackness show through and I know who I am. I'm loud, I'm big, I like bright colors. My brand color is yellow. I just love being myself and I want young black girls out there to know that they need to be themselves or else they're going to be masking themselves and it will eventually build up, build up, build up and there will be a breakdown. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And overall, just thank you for your authenticity, for your bravery, for your boldness, and just for being yourself and for embracing your Black girl magic. And with that, that concludes today's episode. Sanyu, thank you so, so, so much for being here today. I absolutely love this conversation. I'm hoping that our audience takes something away from it as well. For everyone listening, make sure to tune in next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time as we innovate, recreate, and rewrite the narrative. Together, we will tell our story. Until next time, goodbye.